Welcome once again to Hollywood Declassified. I'm John William Law, your host. Uh, we have been talking about James Bond in this series. Um, thanks for hanging out and sticking with us and listening to me kind of blather on about James Bond. Obviously, you can imagine I'm, I'm a big, big James Bond fan um, going way, way back. Um, and uh, again, I'm a movie buff, so I like to kind of research and write about film. I have never really written anything too in-depth on James Bond. Um, I have talked about some of the different actors. Again, I did write a little bit about this in a Hitchcock book, and that's sort of how this series came up, or the idea of this came up. And we originally wanted to do this to kind of coincide with the release of the 25th James Bond with Daniel Craig kind of coming into his his so-called final appearance as James Bond. And um, we thought it'd be kind of fun to do something kind of to tie in and, and do something around the time the release of that film. So that's sort of how the idea came up. Um, I don't have a lot to kind of go into this time. Again, I mentioned the, the book. So in addition, some of the content that I used in this podcast came from a book called The Bonds That Got Away. And I talked about the story of, of Longitude 78 West, the kind of lost Bond film, and uh, how that would evolve into Thunderball and Never Say Never Again. We also talked a bit a little bit about the the uh, the the Bonds and the actors who played James Bond, uh, including some of those that actually didn't play the role but uh, but almost did. Um, and that's sort of where the the Bond that got away comes in. That's kind of fun and interesting is that there's other pieces of that book which I mentioned last time where they talk about some of the things like the villains that got away. So there's a little bit a bit about that where there was the uh, the different actors that were potentially considered to play some of these roles. So if you think about things like Dr. No, Dr. No was considered, there were a number of different people that were considered for that role, including Christopher Lee. And Christopher Lee um, was best known for playing Dracula and a vampire in, in all the kind of Hammer movies. Um, and would have a very long and successful career. And uh, Christopher Lee was originally considered to be Dr. No, but wasn't available, I think, at the time. I can't remember. I'm not really trying to get all the, the every detail in here, but he was one of the names that was kind of mentioned for that. But Christopher Lee would have his own touch with James Bond when he would star in Man with the Golden Gun with um, a number of years later with, um, with uh, Roger Moore. For Goldfinger, uh, was interesting is that Goldfinger... Um, was uh was there were a number of people considered for that role um and uh that role uh, goldfinger is a, it's an iconic film um and i think that um it was um interesting because there was a guy by the name of gert frobe who would actually play goldfinger and the interesting th story for people who know about the film and know the bit of the history is a gert frobe was hired to play goldfinger but he actually didn't speak english so they ended up having dub all of his dialogue so all of his dialogue was dug dubbed by another another actor by the name of Michael Collins and but Gert Frobe was not the only person that was considered for that role. Originally, the producers really hoped to use Orson Welles as the character um, and then actor Theodore Bickell, who was best known for um, for his theatrical work on the stage for things like, um, gosh, I think it's Man of La Mancha or something he was very famous for. He was considered for it as well, but um, Gert Frobe did a really good job, I think, even though he didn't speak English. 
the character of Blofeld was considered, a number of different people were considered for that. So for you only, you only live twice, which in fact I just watched last night again after having not seen it in a while. He, um, there was a guy by the name of Jan Wirich who was considered for, uh, and cast actually in the role of, of Blofeld for You Only Live Twice. But when he got on the set and started um, getting kind of fitted for costumes and, and screen testing and stuff like that, they felt that he, he didn't have enough um, demeanor, de the kind of evilness to him. He looked sort of like a, 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 grand, a Santa Claus kind of character. And so they ended up recasting him with Donald Pleasance, who came in and kind of added his own spin on on, um, on the, the villain of, of Blofeld. Other characters, again, I mentioned people like uh, um, uh, Man with the Golden God and Christopher Lee originally you know, being not losing out on the role in Doctor No would come back, but um, the evil villain in Scaramanga, who was in Man with the Golden Gun, was originally considered to be uh, the actor Jack Palance was was considered for that role before um, he ended up uh, losing that to um, or actually declined, I think, and and would end up um, turning down the role, and and Christopher Lee would end up in the role. Uh, Moonraker, another famous one, um, went into a lot of issues at the time. There were some, uh, some, if I recall correctly, there were some issues around um, production shooting and using um, uh, uh, for kind of these films being filmed in in other places like um, the United Kingdom. How much of the film was filmed in in different places? And there was a guy by the name of um, uh, James Mason was originally considered um, for the role of Hugo Drax. Um, as well as Stuart Granger, but um, they um, then considered um, Louis Jourdan for the role, um, but would ultimately end up with um, Michael Lonsdale in, in the role. Um, and uh, they ended up having some issues. It was something to do with some taxation things that if they, there was a really high tax thing in in um, the UK at the time, I think, and they ended up having to film a certain percentage of a film in, um, in France or something, and then there was some issue with... Um, them having to use a certain number of French actors if they were going to film in France or something like that. I can't remember the whole story. And then there's View to a Kill. Uh, again, Roger Moore's final film. There were a number of different people kind of mentioned for the Max Zorn character. David, David Bowie was the most famous one that they talked about um, before Christopher Walken would end up in that role. Um... People like Alan Rickman was considered for a uh, the role in Goldeneye, the villain, which would ultimately go to Sean Bean, who was originally considered for one of the uh, replacements for James Bond. Um, and uh, there were different people considered for the role of Elliot Carver in Tomorrow Never Dies as well, which was um, ultimately be uh, considered or played by Jonathan Price in a very good role. Um, and... Uh, that's sort of it. Uh, there are some girls, uh, a lot of different women who were um, considered for uh, James Bond films that would never end up in the roles. Uh, lots of women like um, that would end up in these roles. So people like Jill St. John, Karen Dorr, Lana Wood, um, all of the kind of, you know, Tanya Roberts and Grace Jones and were all, you know, very famous Bond girls. But there were a lot of other women that were considered as Bond girls if you look at people like Julie Christie, way back when they were doing Dr. No, was considered um, at the time, and she would um, was not not um, hired for uh, different reasons. I think they wanted someone with a different kind of more voluptuous figure, I think, than Julie Christie. 
Um, there were some other women that they considered for, um, Julie Christie was actually considered again, I think later for, for a role in Thunderball and would end up getting, you know, being passed on that one as well, or she would decline to do the role by that point. She would become much more famous. Um, uh, Diana Rigg had been considered for, I think, a few, um, Bond girls at the time. And, uh, there were some other kind of women considered in, in the, um, yeah, you know, later years, so or certainly in the Roger Moore years, so Live and Let Die was the first time where they were going to have James Bond in a kind of internet in, interracial relationship, and so in that film they originally had hoped to get Diana Ross in the role, and um, she did not. She was doing um, Lady Sink the Blues, I think, at the time, so therefore she wasn't available, and they would end up using um, another actress in the role, and then they would obviously focus on actually a different, uh, a, a white woman playing Jane Seymour, playing um, solitaire in that film instead. Um, other people like Lois Childs, who would play in uh, Moonraker, she was actually originally um, cast in The Spy Who Loved Me, and um, uh, I think even considered for uh, uh, the the one of the lead uh, Bond girls in Octopussy, Faye Dunaway was another actor that was actress that was considered for um, for one of those roles, and Barbara Parkins, who was very well known for um, uh, Valley of the Dolls, uh, was considered for um, one of the James Bond films that uh, in the kind of uh, I guess maybe seventies, eighties. She her name was tossed around a couple times. Um, and um, again, Bond girls continue to be very famous, very, um, you know, it'll always be interesting to see who's who's in the next one. There were different people that were considered in some of the more recent ones. You've got people like Gal Gadot, who is uh, very well known for kind of Wonder Woman, was um, was one of the actresses who was um, was uh, originally hoped to be a Bond girl in one of the James Bonds with uh, Daniel Craig. I think it was Quantum of Solace. Um, um, and uh, that's sort of, uh, you know, where we're going to wrap this up. I'm not going to go into all the other pieces. Again, there are other things that you can discover about James Bond. Um, if you look at the book, you only, uh, The Bond That Got Away. Um, I'm not even getting their name right. There's so many James Bond films. I think the titles are interesting to themselves. Um, worthy of a, probably a podcast. but um, And the songs as well. So the songs are very famous. And there's lots of kind of music associated with James Bond that's, um, that did or didn't happen. That's kind of an interesting angle as well. Um, but uh, we're going to wrap this one up. I am going to give you kind of a brief snippet. I think the next podcast series that we're going back to is something that's very familiar to me that I have kind of talked a lot about in previous things I've written about as well. So we're going to go into um, the saga of Joan Crawford and we're going to talk about her a bit. I have um, Joan Crawford, uh, again, I've written a book called Whatever Happened to Mommy Dears, which talked about Joan Crawford's kind of later years and her kind of, her, um, her, horror film years, I guess you could call them, in the 1960s. So she uh, had a very interesting kind of period there where Crawford sort of had was uh, looking at stepping away from Hollywood. She had kind of married for the, you know, the final time and um, had uh, really decided to kind of move away from films. And uh, she uh, was sort of semi-retired and... Um, her, she had married the uh, Pepsi Cola executive and was trying to be kind of the life of a, a wife of an executive and got involved in his work. And um, then he would die suddenly and she would find out that she was very, very in debt. 
and um, have to go back to work. And so that was how she would end up back in Hollywood. And then you would have um, her kind of getting involved in getting whatever happened to Baby Jane turned into a film and that becoming a huge success. And then while it was a, a very big success, it sort of became a double-edged sword because she ended up kind of getting offered lots of roles that were very similar to that, where everything she got offered was pretty much kind of a horror film where she was like some woman who was either a murderer or she was a victim. Um, and um, But to keep working and keep making an income and kind of be the celebrity that she was, she continued to accept these films and that sort of impacted the latter part of her career and sort of ended up seeing a kind of downward spiral in terms of the quality of the work that she would do. But so that series is going to kind of go into a little more detail around those films and the work that she would do in the later years of her life and talk about some other interesting angles around her that that people don't know a lot about. There was a kind of a kidnapping attempt and there were some other film things that she didn't do that she could have done that, that are interesting. And so we're going to get into some of that and kind of give you a kind of new spin on Joan Crawford. And for, um, you know, that it's interesting. I I don't know if I talk about it. I've actually recorded some of the show, so um, it's just funny when I record these because I record them at all different times, so the different series end up on, in, in being aired at different times and not in the order that I've recorded them, which I've talked about before. But um, uh, the series, the book that I did when I wrote about it, um, there was sort of a new life. I'd done it around the time of the 50th anniversary of Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, which was similar to something that I'd done for um, a Hitchcock book. And so um, the book came out and did pretty well, but um, there was a, a kind of lull when it sort of faded. Um, and then in a couple of years ago, they did a miniseries, Bette and Joan, on um, FX that was very successful and there was a lot of interest with Jessica Lange and Susan Susan Sarandon playing Betty Davis and Joan Crawford and that kind of reignited interest in this kind of film and in these women and on this story and so that for me um, breathed new life into the book and we actually did another edition of the book that came out. It was a uh, kind of special edition enhanced ebook that ended up on, on iTunes iBookstore and um, there was a lot of it. Uh, again, it kind of re-sparked some interest. So I was lucky enough to kind of get some more attention on the book and then actually saw some more. So that was kind of fun. Um, and uh, I enjoyed doing that. So we sort of started thinking, I had sort of started thinking it'd be fun to do something kind of more um, like this on that topic. So that was sort of how that series kind of came forth. And um, and again, I, I did that with the intent of, of it airing. Uh, but then the James Bond stuff came up. And so we decided to kind of record this series and kind of insert it in. So it's sort of this, this James Bond story is kind of um, an added bonus that we kind of you know, inserted in between the other series. So sometimes that kind of throws my, my mentions of, of which series I'm on. If I talk about series three or series four or series five, I try not to do too much of that now because I never know what series it actually is going to be. So, um, we're going to get into that all um, in the next round of these. I don't know when that will begin airing. We'll probably do a prep or preview show that will come out um, uh, sometime in, in weeks or months before that. And usually there's a, a little kind of hiatus of a few months before these are done and they have to kind of be packaged and there's other kind of music that goes behind them. And when they try and find some snippets of audio and stuff to include in them and some things that they have to do around that to get them kind of packaged and, and ready for production or ready for airing. So... Um, that gives us a little time. So um, I hope you enjoyed uh, James Bond. I certainly hope you get out and see the film.
um, I think that, you know, it will be great to see Daniel Craig in a kind of final um, delivery as James Bond. And um, I think he definitely brought a, a great angle to it. And I think it, it's great to see that James Bond as a character and Ian Fleming's character that he brought to life in the in all these books has still managed to kind of, you know, be a, a, a formidable character in, in the movies and the film series continues to thrive, the franchise does. And um, they seem to take it in new directions, but actually are retaining some kind of link to the history in the past, which is always kind of fun. So thanks for tuning in to Hollywood Declassified, and, um, and we'll catch you next time.